inside your heart. You don't have to be afraid of what you are. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's very think, gorgeous. Do you guys have a hero? Call me to tease. <laughs> it's not your voice. Your voice is not my hero. No, no, definitely not. So growing up, did you guys did you guys have like a favorite superhero? Did you guys read comics and do the superhero thing? I think you're my hero for facing your fears and singing that song for us. I was very nervous. I, th- I, been th- I was thinking about it for a little bit before. I didn't want to do it. And then I thought, hey, you know, you just got to get out there sometimes. You just have to put yourself out there. Did you read comics growing up? I read one comic book, like one comic book series growing up. And I, I actually had them all. It was Shadowhawk. Do you guys remember that? No. 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 What is that? Born- like a Chilliwack comic? No, it's not a... <laughs> What does Chilliwack doesn't have anything to do with it? My beautiful hometown has absolutely nothing to do with my favorite superhero. It's just who I happened to see as a kid, and he was dressed in silver, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." No, I didn't really. I read comic books, but I didn't like have a favorite hero. I was more like a Calvin and Hobbes guy, so mm-hmm. it's Calvin could be my comic book hero. I want yeah. to be like him. Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes is, is a good shout. What, what about you, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I think I brought on cartoons really so like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was probably my favorite that was a big one for me yes well all right everybody welcome to episode 16 of the Pink Bike Podcast in case you didn't guess today is all about heroes it's about mountain bike heroes I'm your host Mike Levy as always we got Casimir my intern we got Brian the real boss the final boss and we have James here today who is going to read the news take it away James We'll start with our, our own uh, our own news first, and that's the the XC field test that launched today as well. Um, so this is four XC race bikes, five downcountry bikes. I feel like you guys uh, know the format by now. We have a, a timing loop, and we have a hook to flat test, etc., etc. Lily, what can we expect? I heard there might be a little guest appearance as well. Yeah, so you can expect a lot of lycra. Uh, we also have the grim donut included in this, just for Which some is- funnies. It makes perfect sense. Other XC bikes, this is an XC bike from the future. They keep getting bigger. Right. Exactly. I mean, according to Casimir, no bike can be too slack or too long. You can climb anything. So we thought, hey, let's include the Grim Donut. Also, everybody is really angry about Grim Donut Part 2 not being out. So we wanted <laughs> to so just mad. like, here's, here's, a, here's some Grim Donut. Please do not burn Pink Bike down. <laughs> you also did a couple different tests and things, right? Yeah. So we also did the efficiency test. Uh, and then obviously the impossible climb and the huck to flat as well. How many years of your life did you lose to the efficiency test? You know, uh, so <laughs> the actual test itself, when we started rolling, I, the, you know, I'm, I don't mind climbing up fire roads and it was just kind of like intervals. Each bike had to hold 300 Watts for, uh, half, a little over half a kilometer and I had to do it over and over again on the bikes. And I didn't mind that. The part that took years off my life was some technical difficulties, <laughs> um, just with computers and timing and, and that kind of stuff. But once we got it going, it wasn't so bad, man. The news um, that's been announced today is the new Crankworx Summer Series. So we had the unfortunate news that uh, Whistler Crankworks has been cancelled, but in its place, Crankworks are organising uh, an event for athletes from BC. Uh, they'll be competing in downhill, dual slalom, enduro, and ADH. Uh, and everyone from sort of Brett Reader to Finals to Via Beak uh, is going to be taking part in that. Um, it's going to be across four separate locations, and that's going to be uh, broadcast. It's a shame we're not having a full Crankworks, but given everything that's happening, it's cool that. Um, there's definitely something happening here. Is it four? I only have three on the calendar. Three oh, stops. God. Three stops. Yeah, yeah, Kicking Horse, Silver Star. Or am I supposed okay. to say? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, yeah. I think the spots will be announced by, by the time Secrets. the Secrets. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's... That sounds pretty cool. I think people are going to be eager to see some people riding bikes really, really well against each other. It's only going to be people that are in BC? Yeah. I mean, it would have been a real challenge if it was like like crankworks minnesota series or sorry minnesota i'm sure you're great but just like we've got a concentration. no you're not <laughs> we've got a concentration of pretty incredible athletes here and so it's going to be cool to see i want to see reader doing enduro i feel like he's not going to show up i don't think so i think no. i think he's the only person it's going to be cool because i think everybody other than 
Reader and maybe Finn are going to do all the events. So we'll see like Jesse Melamed doing doing a downhill and doing all the other things. That should be cool. Can I just say how amazing it would be to see Seminok and Reader and uh, the, all the other people? I think it would be absolutely amazing to see these guys take part in some enduro races or even some downhill races. I don't think, I mean, everybody knows that these guys are amazing, but I think if Semenuk showed up to an enduro race, I mean, he's not going to win a pro enduro race, I don't think, but no. Okay, no. But I mean, he's going to, I think he'd do extremely well. So yeah, yeah. you guys should do he's that. Not, he's, he's not going to this though. And like, no, what about the other free riders? Right? There's I know. a lot of people I mean, missing off this list. I don't know. Should we call some people out for not attending? Aggie, like, what, what are you doing? But what would Aggie do here? He's not. No, What's he doing now? I don't know. Probably having fun in the woods. No, he's just. Yeah, I don't. Just I don't think cool Eggy needs to be doing slope style contests. That's not his gig, man. But this isn't slope style. Yeah. Oh, what is it? It's downhill, <laughs> dual slalom, enduro, and air DH. Oh, yeah. What about like? Uh, I mean, there's probably reasons all these people are on this list, and some aren't, and others are. So I won't second guess. There are some good names there, so it'll be fun to watch. You called Eggy out twice in two podcasts now. I know. I just want to see him do something cool, and I don't know what he's doing. Sink first. I'm sure he's having fun. Egg is I'll egg pick someone else. Uh, first Casper. <laughs> no, he already doesn't. You like would me. lose. <laughs> Sorry, <Me too>. <laughs> you do good things. <laughs> it it does come from a place of wanting to see these guys more. Yeah, that's my see stuff. But some of these projects take a lot of time, and some of these projects really haven't happened because of the Rona. Yeah. So, and a lot of times people don't want to take those sort of risks for something that's out of their wheelhouse, like regardless of how Aggie might do in those, those events, he's probably in the middle of filming some gnarly fucking video project. Like he doesn't want to roll an ankle f- crashing into a dual swallow race. Like, <laughs> yeah, I God. I'd be so annoyed. No, yeah. yeah don't, Aggie, don't do that. Don't come. Aggie <laughs> out of rampage because of, because of speed and style. <laughs> yeah. yeah God, no <laughs> bike jousting though. Yeah, once Mike Johnson catches on, everyone needs to show yeah. that. Back back to XC stuff. Uh, two new XC bikes were released from Orbea. Uh, we've seen a lot of XC bike releases this year, as we already said, because of the Olympics, basically. So there's no Olympics for them to race in, but we still get to see the cool tech, which I guess is not a terrible thing. So their full suspension OE's bike uh, got an update, as did the XC uh, Alma hardtail. Um which comes with the option of a rigid carbon fork, which I thought was quite cool. Hardtails are trying to become gravel bikes quicker than gravel bikes are becoming hardtail mountain bikes. Also, that bike is strictly for Spain. (laughs) Gravel bikes are becoming full suspension mountain bikes. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what what would be better, a full suspension gravel bike or a fully rigid hardtail mountain bike? I quit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna run. Over it. I think I'm running. If I want, I'd want to put curly bars on the mountain bike, on the rigid mountain bike, and then then you'd yeah. have a cross bike or something. No, then I had, I'm back to a gravel bike. Well, yeah. yeah, just a regular gravel bike. Yeah. Um, so other XE news then. Um, Tiago Ferreira, who's the uh, XE Marathon European champion. He climbed um, seventeen thousand seven hundred and fifty meters in twenty four hours. Um, that's a, a double Everest, basically. And I think it could be a new world record uh, for off-road climbing in 24 hours. Um, this is mad, isn't it? Can, could someone do the math? I want to know how many feet he climbed per hour, and I'm, I'm not going to do the math, as you guys know. <laughs> I'll let someone else do that. It's a lot. <laughs> that's, so, that's so much for it. Doesn't Ryan, are you doing it in your head right now? No, I'm not doing it in my head, no. Oh, okay. I'm, first, I'm doing feet to meters. It's like fifty-eight thousand feet. I think twenty-four. I just, I just want to know per hour. It's two hundred and twenty-five feet per hour. No, it's not. No. Oh, sorry. Definitely not. I <laughs> could right. definitely do that. <laughs> it's more like two, two thousand something feet. Yeah. Per hour. Right. I could it's do two thousand feet. The an comma hour. ruined me. Yeah, you could leave you, but for twenty-four hours, yes, harder. I could do that. Hundred percent. Twenty-four hundred feet an hour for twenty-four hours. You don't think yeah. you could do that? No. Nope. No. no, I'll bet you. I'll bet you five hundred dollars. You can't do this. You can't make the world record for. for I'll, that. Bet you, I'll bet you. Well, when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I, when you tell me, hey, could you climb twenty four hundred feet an hour? I would find the right grade of gravel road, and I could climb twenty four hundred feet an hour for yeah. twenty four hours straight without stopping. I think I would. Probably stop once or twice short, you know, for short things and then make it up. I feel like I could do that. 
I'm not taking away anything. Bucks. We could probably make the pot bigger. I'm sure some people listening. A thousand dollars American and all right. $1,000 American and five days off afterward that don't count towards my holiday time, and I'll do it. I'll there attempt you go. it. You're fine. Done. Brian? Yeah, approved. Done. <laughs> 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 All right, Tiago, I'm sorry. I'm coming for you, dog. <laughs> wait to see this. And it has to be off-road because he's off-road, so you can't pick paved road or anything. No, it could be a gravel road, though. Yeah, he did it on like a yeah. fire rate type thing, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm doing it on my gravel bike, too. You, just, you have to wear a gopro so everybody can see your horrible suffering and failure yeah it's not going to last that long i think somebody will come out and take photos if oh yeah we'll document this if you you should it doesn't seem like that i don't know maybe i'll get things have you called out so far on the podcast that just haven't happened yet (laughs) there's been a few (laughs) i mean he still says he can climb everest because it's just a walk up it's walking people walk (laughs) up it people you know you get fit you you know i wouldn't just go there i would spend a year walking up mountains and stuff and then i would you know, you hire a bunch of people. You walk up the mountain. Yeah. Well, we'll start with this one. We'll start with you getting the world record and and uh, vertical in 24 hours and see how it goes. Seems good. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but no, I'm I'm excited to watch. Thousand dollars, five days off that don't come for my holiday. Yeah, that's fine. That's Goodbye. easy. Yeah. Okay, I'll attempt it. <laughs> and I yeah, I get that time off even if I like don't make. No, it. no, you have to do it. That's the how a bet works. <laughs> well, what if I get like like nine tenths do of the way there? Then you didn't I feel do like it. I still get a few days off. <laughs> <laughs> you can have half a day off. <laughs> you can sleep in the next day. Yeah. Okay, James, take it away with the news. <laughs> Been practicing this next one. Um, so this is Bontrager's bits system. So Bontrager in <laughs> integrated tool system. Yeah. So it's another steerer tube, uh, multi tool. This one, uh, unlike some others, you don't have to thread the steerer, um, which I'm sure. A lot of people will value. Looks look like a, a handy bit of kit. I've legitimately started calling it Bontrager now. <laughs> oh, fancy! Oh, yeah. They can charge three times as much. <laughs> yeah, Bontrager. New paniers from Bontrager. You need one of those little lines on top of a letter. I don't know why, but it really upsets me when people say derailleur. Like, just it just twigs. Like my eye just starts twitching. And, How do you I don't James? Know. Yeah, James Wong does. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the roadie thing, though, so I, I think you just do that there. I think you're allowed. They all love Europe. I, Derailleur. I think, I think it's great to see Bonchiger. I'm not a person who carries stuff, but it's cool to see doing that, doing these things, even though people would make fun that they're basically copying other people that have done this. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it looks like the one-up, but it, but it has its own thing. It's its own take. One-up can't say, like, Hey, we put something in the steer tube. Nobody else can ever put anything in the steer tube. Yeah, 100%. There's also the big hole in the specialized. Yeah, yeah. the hole in the down tube and just clever ways to put things in your steer tube and yeah, it's great. It's like seat belts in a car. It's it's too important to patent. <laughs> it's, it's like integrated it's a, tools? Yeah, it's just oh, it's an important <laughs> it's an like important no, thing. I don't like them. That specialized one's so sweet with the little, like the spring-loaded ones. You just flip the little. Yeah. My, I don't like them though for not real reasons. Only because I'm riding different bikes all the time, and I just I have this little like multi-tool knife. Like I have this thing that I put in my pocket that I carry with me because all the bikes are different. It has all the things for all the different bikes. So what if every bike had one? Just like every uh, car has like a car jack in it. Somewhere. There, there are all these proprietary tools that like I'm gonna lose it or something. Proprietary multi-tool. <laughs> it's like Allen wrenches. <laughs> It would That's be exactly what I they think... are, Casimir. They are proprietary multi-tools. That's an excellent why, description. Why don't no, we just say cool. the same way that it's unacceptable to have a, a bike without a water bottle in 2020? Like, what about in 2021? It's unacceptable to sell a bike that doesn't have the basic tools to work on it somehow integrated into the bike. That Is would that be our nice. horse for 21? I don't know. We need to give them more time. Twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twenty. I'm going to beat on that, but yeah. it's cool. I do yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. It's a legitimate thing to be like oh man this bike doesn't have a swap box or equivalent track swap box like mm-hmm. it's a really really compelling feature for me yeah. if you had two bikes that were exactly the same then i would pick the swap box one yeah i don't yeah i mean it's a bullet point Something it's more than a bullet point for me yeah but for levy for levy it's a thing that means that he can't put his sweet little uh saddle dangly saddle truck nuts on the back of his bike <laughs> truck nuts jesus uh, <laughs> yeah i'm gonna use it all the time now yeah truck nuts 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a, well, I have like a tube strap that I use for my little kit that I just moved to bike to bike. It just makes so much sense. For, and for me, it has a multi-tool. I can put a multi-tool. So for me, that works. I don't need, like I, I go out for six hours. I don't need a hole in my down tube to stuff all the things. And I don't also don't need a backpack. I have my own solution. So it wouldn't be a selling point for me, but I could definitely see why it would be a good selling point for other people. Um, next up, uh, we had Yeti's anniversary arc hardtail so yeti is 35 years old now uh, and they released an up-to-date version of their classic um arc arc hardtail um so it's in the blue and yellow color scheme as you'd probably expect plenty of anodized parts as you'd probably expect um and it comes in at just under 10 grand which i think as you'd probably it... expect <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i'm bump <laughs> <laughs> which i think makes it the most expensive hardtail currently on the market uh, no, 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 not even ten close. grand. That no, it's getting more moved? custom. Yeah, like a tie. It'd be Uno. I'm sure Uno is over there with doing something really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's the access stuff that makes things expensive these days. When you toss access on, it's like guaranteed. Couple, yeah, I was surprised that that it was more expensive than than the Boomer bike I'm on the the Moots one. I was also surprised it didn't have the swoopy chainstay, like the the rounded out chainstay seat stay junction, I mean, like the classic arc. I wanted yeah. that. I mean, it's an arc. Yeah, like, there's no arc back the arc? there. Where's the arc? Is, yeah, I don't think that's what it stood for. No, I know, but in my mind, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> they probably had a cool yeah. name for it too. Yeah, but I like the look of those classic, like '90s, late '90s. That one. Yeah. I don't know. That that bike won me over with the paint job, though. Regardless yeah. of arc or oh, not, yeah. in the back, <laughs> beautiful. Um, well, if that hardtail is a bit too much for you, then we also posted a roundup of 15 others um, that have been released in the past few months. Um, there's absolutely loads at the moment. So, yeah. If you all hardtails hard all the time. Yeah. And it's crazy how popular that article has been. Yeah, people, people like love their hardtails. Hard yep. I didn't click on it. <laughs> That's not surprising. I wrote a hardtail the other day. My ankles are sore just clicking on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made me tired. <laughs> Levy's worried that if he clicks on the article, I'll make him ride a hardtail. That's yeah. another hardtail. <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> um, someone, oh, well, a pink bike user, Tonka Trucks, um, sent through um, a picture of the new, um, or what we suspect could be a new Norco downhill bike. Yeah, kudos to him for crawling underneath a truck with his long lens on um, to get a picture of that. It's saw some interesting things on it. Uh, it has bottle mounts, which you wouldn't expect in a downhill bike. Our moaning works, think everybody. Our moaning <laughs> yeah. works. I, yeah. No. I, makes me think it's not a downhill yeah, bike. Yeah, it's not. A, there's no way it's a downhill bike. It, I, yeah, I don't think so. I think it has a dual crown fork on it. Maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe because somebody's testing it for this, for Crankworks AirDH or something. I don't know, but like, Probably like a how many millimeters, 170, yeah, 180, 880 no. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, the flex pivot blitz, makes a lot of sense. It probably doesn't have a flex pivot either. Well, it makes a lot of sense anyway, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, but, they, the, but they should put water bottles on downhill bikes. So while we're on this, things we could have. Like when you're in the bike park, it sucks needing to stop to drink water. So a little water bottle. I, I agree with you, but not even I wouldn't even say that. You know? No, I know some. I mean, there's someone that's very mad right now. But if like. I always have to stop and drink water. And if I didn't have to stop, that'd be even better. Yep. Yeah. I just want to see see somebody hydrate mid-run, World Cup run. It was so good in the air. Like, like instead of tear off, you take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, raced, I raced a lot of downhill races in the early 2000s with the backpack on. <laughs> nice. Back protection it, too. So. Yeah, it just it felt comfortable. That's what I was used to. So people were probably like, what the fuck is that kid doing? <laughs> Um, yeah, on the Flex Days thing, um, Tonka Trucks reached out to us afterwards to say that you can't see it in the picture, but then there is a pivot on the um, on the stays. So, yeah, I guess we'll see more when Norco are ready. But, um, yeah, we thought it was an interesting enough bike anyway. Another new bike we saw this week was the Fazari uh, Delano Peak. Uh, so this is a new 135mm trail bike uh, from them. Um, it looks like a great, great value bike. Price starting at $3,500 for a full carbon frame. That's comparable with a Jeff C or a Spectra or something like that. Geometry-wise, very similar to the Norco Optic, um, our bike of the year last year. Kaz, um, you had a full review of the bike. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts? Yeah, the Delano Peak, I mean, it, it does feel different than the Optic, even though it has the same amount, same geometry. It's got a little more travel uh, frame, just the way the frame stiffness and overall kind of like 
uh, even the way the suspension behaves is different. I kind of like the way the optic is. I like the little less travel of the optic, and it kind of has a more you kind of like push into it harder. Where the Ferrari, like it doesn't have. I don't know how to describe it, but it's definitely a, a trail bike, like with a capital T. Like it's good for going up and down and all around. But I wouldn't want to use it as like an enduro bike or to make it as my jumping bike or whatever. But sounds like prices. the Ferrari has a little more support. Might be how you're putting it, or. No, I think the optic has a little more support. Actually. Oh, sorry, the optic. Yeah, 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 and that could be just the tune of that shock on the optic. I know they've got a lot of high speed compression in the shock on the yeah. optic. Um, what's so, the, yeah, they ride. Sorry, what's the least expensive optic? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think they make an alloy one, so it's not going to be like super cheap. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but the Fazari definitely. They have. I mean, being consumer direct, they have a, uh, a really good price. Um, well, in these. Um with the Mavic, who uh, have been saved after they went into receivership uh, in May. Um, so uh, uh, the Borrelia Group, who started life as a home improvement retail chain, they've come in and bought them, and they've managed to save half the workforce. Um, so the news here really, I think, is that they will return the focus to wheels. Um, in recent years, we've seen Mavic making shoes, pedals, apparel, things like that. Um, but yeah, these these guys say let's kind of strip it back to what we're good at and um, or what we, we, we made our name doing um, and that's the wheels, so. It was good. I think I lost, so what, did Ammer Sports all of them before? Yes. And then yeah. now, so Ammer just sold just Mavic, or got rid of just Mavic? So Ammer were bought by a Chinese group. Oh, right. So they were initially looking to sell Mavic and then they were bought by a Chinese group and then, yeah, I think the... Chinese group lost interest in Mavic and, and put it into receivership, and that's where we are now. Uh, I'm assuming none of this matters in the real world, and we'll still see rims that are too skinny. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I think, I, you know, Mavic, it's been speculated that one of the big reasons for Mavic's downfall is their, is their insistence on sticking with 20 and 25 mil internal width rims forever and ever and ever. Um, I bet that that doesn't happen. I I bet this is code for refocusing on the wheels is code for, okay, we're going to develop some new stuff here. I hope so. Anyways, I, if just for nostalgia's sake, me wanting Mavic wheels. Yeah. All the time. They like make some them. sick stuff. Yeah. Awesome stuff. And it's, yeah, especially from being around for 20 something years, us, not Mavic. Mavic's been around forever. They were doing some pretty cool stuff back then, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, is it one of those cases where, a brand just is so dogmatic about something they believe in these narrow widths that they're not, they just don't listen to the market. And sometimes that can really win for a brand if you're ahead of the curve, but you know, right now that there's commenters going, but all the enduro racers use rims that are skinny. Mm -hmm. They do just fine. Yep. And and that's probably true. It's just, but just what people are purchasing is one thing. And what they're offering is another. Um, And also really what's good for the best world cup or world cup racers or enduro racers is not necessarily what's best for me. Uh, And that's probably something we should talk about (laughs) on a podcast at some point. That was a harsh truth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just bikes in general and the overbiking, underbiking, what I need to get through a world cup or like a EWS track is very different than what Jesse Melamed would be fastest on a, on a, in the hey, same track. That's a topic close to my heart, Brian. I'd love to chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> but Everybody has too much trouble. Yeah. But we're, I'd, I'd say they don't have enough because I'm not a good enough rider. I need more. That, that would be yeah, the, it's, you know, tra- Travel's not going to help you, though. Well, it will help you. That's true. Mm. But there's other things that <laughs> yeah. can help you more. <laughs> like, but, like some fitness and skill? Fair. Hey, I, I wasn't going there. I would, I would never talk about my boss like that. That instead, is not true. <laughs> instead, <laughs> I would go on to the next, the next part of our podcast, which is questions. And first up, we have Don H. Jr. Uh, he says, are we sure mountain biking would be better if it were a more mainstream sport? One could argue that it could open up more riding spots, but the recent increase in riders due to COVID has proven that the more people riding can equal overcrowding, parking hassles, concern for other trail users... Basically, do we want mountain biking to be more mainstream? And this was a topic uh, you guys spoke about uh, in the last podcast. That's where that's from. I I think maybe we didn't set that question up all that well in last week's podcast. We really could have, when we said what was holding mountain biking back, it wasn't just what's holding it back from 
the tripling the number of riders on the trails and everybody having a pump track to work or whatever necessarily. Um, I, I mean, I personally, I, you know, as a, in the industry, I do have a vested interest in mountain biking growing and growing the tent, but that wasn't really what we're, what we were necessarily getting. We just want mountain biking to be better. Uh, and for some people that could mean more and some people it means less people and harder trails and all kinds of things. So maybe we should have touched on that differently. I don't know. I personally do think that it means a bigger tent. Um, I know Kaz and Levy disagree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, selfishly, I like when it was the old days and there's less people on the trails and I have everything to myself, but, um, but that's just my opinion and it's fine. I've never really been bothered by other riders on the trails overly. Um, I just think that, you know, I'm just mountain biking and I would do it if nobody else did it either. And I, I don't want to sound cold, but like, Hey, if the sport grows and more people mountain bike, that's great. But I don't care if fucking the guy down the road goes mountain biking, you know, it's fine if he doesn't. And it's great if he does. You don't need to see like a feature film starring Leonardo DiCaprio has, has a mountain biking chase, chase scene in it or something. Yeah, no. And I don't need to see racing on, on television, on like NBC wide world of sports where they don't know what they're talking about, you know? And I think they call him Norby. (laughs) (laughs) I heard he was robbed once. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and plus we see this, this comes up every, I don't know, every eight years or something. They're like, it's getting too mainstream. And then something yeah. happens and it kind of dips and dies. I mean, even like the last, the giant boom that was like the late nineties, it was like, it was huge and then just kind of disappeared. So, yep. I mean, the bottom line is it's a hard sport and no matter how good bikes get or anything, it still takes a lot of physical exertion and yeah. practice and skill to do it. So I don't think it's ever going to become like, yeah. even if your bikes have motors. Or football. <laughs> It ain't yeah. easy, you know? No. Um, and even mountains, mostly, it makes it a lot better experience if you have mountains to yeah. mountain bike in. So. Yeah, so yeah, or I hills, love our sport. Hills, at least. I think we're all in agreement that it'd be great if it grew, but it's, I think I'm also of the opinion that it's okay if it doesn't. <laughs> it'd, be good, it'd be nice if it grew in a good, sustainable way. I'm, when I see things like the, the COVID boom, sort of bicycle boom, causing some, you know, parking hassles and things, it's like, that's just a growing pain. That's fine, like... I hope that we can bring those people into the sport in a good way rather than in a shitty way. You know, I hope we're not being just elitist and NIMBY. Mm-hmm. Like I've got mine, get out of here kind of thing. Like gatekeeping is not sweet. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, ideally that just leads to more trails and more yeah. better infrastructure and it just all works out. I mean, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Um, I'm going to answer this one. 49th biker. He was the 49th biker. He says, question for next week. Why do bikes still come with that little clear plastic plate behind the cassette? There's a very specific reason, and it's to give mechanics nervous breakdowns as they try to save time by breaking it off without taking the cassette <laughs> off. You know what I'm talking about. You yeah. know? And then you're like, oh, God damn it. I'm just going to take the fucking cassette off. <laughs> and you wait- like a screwdriver back there. Yeah, you wasted 15 minutes, and now Brian can give you the real answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the real answer is just lawyers. But yeah. that's it. Yeah. And lots of bikes don't even have them. They just come in the box yeah. of bits and things. Just some shops I, probably have to install them or think they do, but you can just, I as long as you give it to the consumer. I was appreciated when the, when the, all the things that you have to take off the bike before you sell it mm-hmm. in the shop came off the bike. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, you must install these 26 reflectors and the <laughs> yeah. stickers on the pedals and the bell. The be- oh, yeah, exactly. All the things. And, yeah, and you that keep was the better. platform pedals that it comes with. Oh God! The terrible <laughs> so platform, many platform pedals. pedals. <laughs> With the and you could always tell the quality platform pedals because they the left side has the knurling and the right side doesn't. Yeah. So that if you don't aren't reading instructions, you still know which one's which. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our discussion. Um, I took last week off, you guys, and you guys, you guys complained a lot. Instead, today we're going to be positive. You know me; I am always Mister Positive. Today. We're going to talk about mountain bike heroes. Who has inspired you in mountain biking for whatever reason? Lots of people have inspired me. I'm going to turn this positive. Don't worry. But I do want to say that like looking up to athletes is kind of silly. Unless Uh, it's Michael Jordan. Explain. Only Michael Jordan. (laughs) I don't know. Why is it silly? Because, okay, well, so the real reason when you spend enough time with high performance athletes, you realize just how much it ruins other aspects of their lives there are obvious exceptions super obvious exceptions and many of them are my heroes but yeah they are they all the reason that 
like, I don't know if it's chicken or egg, but they, their job is to be selfish, right? Their job is to put their performance over everything else in their life. And not just in cycling, but so many Olympic athletes. And you talk to these guys and girls and you're just like, oh my goodness, they are missing out on so many other aspects of life. Um, so in general, you know, when I talk about heroes, it's like, would I, would I want my child to be a high performance mountain bike athlete? I don't, I don't think so. So, and when I look at my list of heroes, they're all people who, who were successful in, in the sport, despite still being awesome, regular people. Do you, do you think that applies across the board for all little niches of mountain bike competition? Like, do you think that applies to slope riders or to enduro racers as much as a XC racer? I think it applies more to any sport that has gotten, that is more mature. You know, early days in sport, early days in sport, like the free riders, they had real jobs and stuff before becoming free riders and, and inventing a whole subset of a sport. So they didn't have to eke out every ounce of performance out of their lives, you know? So yeah, but I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with having heroes. Like none of this, like no, people aren't, I didn't say that. No, I know. But like even looking, like you said, looking up to athletes is silly, but you're not looking up to them as every single nuance of their personal life. You're looking at like, this person is the best at what they're trying to do. That's impressive. Someday I want to be the best at what I'm trying to do, whatever that, whether it's that sport or in life, you know, like, I think it's good to have role models. Basically what, they're probably yeah. like, what about just being like fairly good at something and having a good, well-rounded life? The, the yeah. thing is that, that we don't like actually, Canadian way. Remember, yeah, <laughs> we don't actually, <laughs> we don't actually know any of these people. If we put a list of 50 of our, you know, heroes together, there's probably going to be some real assholes on that list that maybe we just don't know about. Yeah. You know? Well, isn't that the saying? Like, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, just... So on my on my list, I was really worried. So I got into mountain biking because of Wade Simmons. Watching Wade Simmons, I think in NSX one or two, and that's that was when I basically decided to start mountain biking. That was that was it for me. And eventually, you know, whatever, thirteen, fifteen years later, I um, I'm the marketing manager at Rocky Mountain and I was legit concerned about meeting Wade and because I looked up to him for so many years and things but thank freaking god he's awesome Wade you, is exactly were you nervous I the first Did time you I have met goosebumps Wade, <laughs> <laughs> I'd met Wade before on a shop ride back in the day but yeah when in the context of that Rocky Mountain gig yeah I was super nervous to to meet Wade and and start working with Wade but were thank god he's awesome I mean, generally, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who else, Brad? Yeah. Actually, one, one second. Why did you look up to Wade? Uh, what about him? I mean, his riding was sick. Yeah. Jumped uh, over the Marzocchi truck. Yeah, he, he so did just, all the things. Was it just the fact that he was going huge and, and riding well? or he was? Yeah, he was always the guy who whose riding I most wanted to emulate, yeah. for sure. He, he was also like the one guy who understood how transitions worked in, yeah. in 1999 <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Like, who else? Uh, well, I mean, it's hard to have this list without talking about Jordy and Stevie. Um, you know, our, I miss them both. Um, and they were both heroes of mine for different reasons. Not, you know, they're not just on the list cause they passed away, but they both had massive success and they were both people for similar reasons that you do that reach huge success. Jordy, the real thing for me there was just, man, he had a career and even after post-career, he still just put in so much work and had a second career, you know, a second, he had a mountain bike resurgence. What, what free rider has a second, a second crack at, at success the way he had? He, he just, you know, he was of the, almost of the Wade era and he still, was pushing so hard. So that was always really impressive to me. Mm -hmm. um, and Stevie, obviously huge success on the, on the world stage. Um, I remember I couldn't, uh, I was watching him win in Mont Saint Anne in a cafe in, in the Okanagan and just screaming at my computer screen. It just, hey, I must've looked totally insane. And Carl and I were watching that very race. We were in a McDonald's in France. Oh man. Yep. And we were, we had the computer open. We were sitting at McDonald's. I think we had teas and coffees and French sandwiches. Yeah. Yelling. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was I always loved working with Jordy and I always loved like Stevie gave me the time of day back when I was just starting to film videos and, and things and he had time for me, we filmed some stuff and yeah, he was he was a legit human being, for sure. Um let's go into Kaz. Kaz. Mine are mostly from when I was a kid, so like John Stamstead. Uh, for people that don't know him, he was like one of the first people to start doing those crazy ultra endurance rides. He did like the, um, I did a bike. I think he won that a bunch of times. And then 24 hour racing started kicking off like in the mid nineties and he wanted to race it solo, but nobody raced 24 hour races solo back then. And I think it's 24 hours in new Canaan. They said he couldn't. So he just paid for four entries and just signed himself up four times and entered. Legends. And, and I remember hearing that or reading about it in a magazine, I'm sure. And I was like, Oh, that guy's a badass. So then a couple years later, I entered a 24 hour race solo and I was like 16 or 17. So I was like 99, 98. That guy, he just kind of, I just always liked that idea and just a kind of tough guy. Badass. Uh, I got third out of fourth or three, three out of four. Yeah. For that race. I did on the lose. podium though. Yeah. Well, there was only four of us racing. So yeah. no one raced solo 24 hour races back then. Like, and I was legit. I'm, I mean, not to like toot my horn, but I was probably one of the youngest people to ever do a solo 24 hour race at that time. Cause they had just started happening. Because it's weird. a terrible idea. It's a bad idea, yeah. And I was a weird little kid, so I did that. <laughs> so yeah, so John Stamstead was on my list just for being a badass like that. Tinker Juarez, same reason. Another guy just kind of was like out there doing his own program. You um, and Tinker not wearing chamois. Now I know the connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You crazy he's been, man. He's been not wearing a chamois a lot longer than me. But uh, but yeah, I'm also on the, the no chamois program with Tinker. But yeah, same thing. Just kind of did it his own way. Um, and then I got weighed on my list, of course, because... As time went on, like little, you know, high school, late high school, going to college, um, that's when the whole free ride thing started kicking off and seeing the pictures of Wade on the North Shore, he just seemed like the man. And so obviously thought that that would be a cool guy to be able to ride like that. When did you first meet him? Uh, when did I meet him? Probably, probably for the pink bike job. So sometime in the last eight years, I don't really remember um, exactly when I met him. But, but yeah, I've gotten to ride with him a good handful of times since then. So it's always cool to, to meet him because I haven't met I've never met John Stansted. I think I run into Tinker a couple times, but yeah, that's my main list. And then my buddy Hefe, who I used to work with back in Colorado. He's another guy that does crazy long rides. And so he kind of became my hero just from working with him. And just like, he would take a day off and come back the next day and we'd ask him what he rode. And it would be like the most ridiculous ride you can ever imagine. So yeah, I've always just kind of had respect for people that just push endurance to a certain level, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Interesting. I didn't know this endurance side of you. That, that was yeah, I just like people. Your, yeah. yeah, I think because, well, probably because I've realized my limitations as far as like what I can do on a bike and I'm not going to be able to do like a casual 920 seat grab, whatever, anytime soon. So like endurance is more attainable. I can suffer pretty well. So I feel like I'm more likely to do a casual than I am to, to hit, hit that double Everest. Yeah, so that's probably, I mean, you're, yeah, I don't know. So, are you and saying, both of them are like a 0% chance, but yeah. <laughs> but now we should probably turn it over to Levy and see who your heroes are. I honestly struggled with this one. Like, hero, like, I know you, you, what you mean to say is, who do you just, who have you looked up to in cycling? But when it's asked like heroes, yeah, I don't really know. I don't think any of them are like my heroes or ever have been. Um, but I would honestly say, I think RC. Shout out to RC. Um, I remember just being like, I remember being 14 years old, 15 years old and reading MBA and it was, you know, lots of RC in there and thinking, holy shit, how does somebody do this? You know, and then obviously I worked with him for seven years and the legends are true. Like the guy is amazing. 100% true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and <laughs> he taught me, you know, more in that time that I would have learned from anybody else any other way. So. Yeah, yeah, RC, definitely here. I mean, anybody, anybody that can build an airplane inside their house probably deserves a spot on a Well, that's lift, the other so. thing. Like, I think life, life's supposed to be interesting, you know? Like, bikes could be one part of it. That's great. But RC's life, I don't, I'm not sure, a lot of people probably don't realize, but his life is amazing and interesting and full of all these different things and different stories and adventures. And like, man, you know, you, you see that and you're just like, I don't want to live a normal life. My, my impressions of... Uh, or expectations of RC were so different from, you know, because, you know, you think of RC as like Mr. MBA, Mr. like yep. stream crossing, smiling, kind of weird XC photo shoot thing with too many flashes in California sun. I don't know. I just had like a, a preconceived notion of 
of what RC was all about. And when you meet him and get to know him, it's like, holy shit, there's so much more beneath the surface. Yeah. Um, so he's like, like it's, it's one thing you hear like, oh, he's, he's designed a plane. That's cool. But then later you realize that he's designed a plane from scratch on his own with a, it's like MS paint, but even worse than it stopped with like, it, 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 he, yeah, it's so much more than just he designed a plane. You'd think he might, might've built a kit plane, but no, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. all. And his involvement in the early days of the sport, his contribution to the sport, I, I yep. you know, that to me is, that's pretty cool stuff too. And yeah, so RC is, I think, uh, top of my list for people to look up to. Have you ever had any heroes that, that then like fell off the pedestal? Uh, yeah. Uh, not heroes, but like definitely being younger. I used to f- live and die for racing. I used to follow racing so closely. And uh, then I start doing this PB thing and, you know, you start meeting some people and yeah, some of the people, it turns out, guess what? They're not cool people. Um, they're just people, no matter h- how good they are on a bike. Um, you know, and the other thing, like you only see these people for a couple days at most. Uh, so that's not a fair way to judge them. So I don't know. Uh, somebody else that uh, definitely not a hero. I don't know if he's somebody that I look up to, but so Brian, earlier you were talking about, uh, these people that, you know, you, you meet them and you're like, holy shit, this person sucks. Like I kind of, you know, they, you should never meet your heroes. Uh, I, you know what? I just want to clarify. I don't actually, it's not so much a don't meet your heroes thing for me in the, for the most part, it's more like you realize just like, Wow what it takes to be at this level yeah. comes at a real cost. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you said. Not, not how I was quoting you. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, just to be clear. Um, and I think, I mean, you could not get a better, better example of that than Mr. Armstrong, could you? You know, as, as far as someone who was a bike racer and had to be, you know, I, by, like a terrible person had to be a terrible, terrible person and treat people like shit. He didn't have to do that to win, I don't think. Uh, I mean, he definitely had to cheat. He had to dope and all that stuff. Uh, none of those reasons are why he's on my list. It's only for the cancer thing. Uh, did, you, did you have him, like, did you look up to him yep. earlier in life? Yes, yep. I, I was watching all those tours. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and Floyd, too. I mean, that day, stage 17 where he mm-hmm. took off from the front and he was gone all damn day. Like I get goosebumps right now, even thinking about that day when he's pouring water bottles over himself, over those passes and just riding away. And the whole entire Peloton was like, nah, we're not going to get him. And yeah, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact he had a fucking testosterone <laughs> patch on his Drugs. balls. <laughs> but besides the point. Um, yeah. You know, I look up to those sorts of performances that I do pure and simple. Yeah. You didn't mention your friend Nino. Yeah, no, I definitely look up to Nino and how long he's dominated while being such a well, uh, well-rounded rider. Um, yeah, for some reason he was not like you know on my list of amazing people. But you liked him too, like you didn't. Have, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. So he, yeah, he, he's not one of those people I'm talking about that has nothing else yeah. going on in life. And yeah. Yeah. No, I've met him a handful of times. I spent two or three days in Switzerland with him and jokes around like he's just a normal dude jokes around and you know and he doesn't come off you would never know he's like the greatest cross-country racer of all time sorry Absalon and Julie (laughs) 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 and anybody else (laughs) yeah well that's good yeah that puts him on my list then okay let's move on (laughs) Uh, and let's get to James. James, you got a list here that's much longer than mine. Let's hear. It's full of racers too. Well, yeah, you guys make me feel a bit green and bright-eyed and naive after after what some of you said. But um, yeah, it was downhill that captured my attention um, when I was younger. I, I sort of really first got into it sort of mid-noughties, I'd say, like in the Freecaster days when it was certainly not as professional as it is now. Um, and I sort of loved the it's almost ramshackle nature of it at times um and you know still today um downhill is, is my favorite aspect of the sport i think it's, it's i think it's just the most entertaining form of it i i love it um so probably an obvious one sam hill um 
I love how he's so uh, mellow off the bike, um, quiet and understated. Um, but then when he turns on on track, you know, he can just kind of blow the doors off it, winning by five plus seconds on some of the the kind of the gnarliest tracks in the world. I guess the fact that his potentially his most famous runs involve crashes, like says a lot about him. You know, it was, um, you know, being all win, basically. That's, that's his style. And I always really kind of respected that. Um, I also like that, you know, like if a track didn't suit him, he kind of wasn't that interested. He was just, you know, um, not that bothered. And now, um, yeah. So is, is that something to look up to? Yeah, I think that, so. A little as bit a, of I think so because he, a World Cup racer who's paid a lot of money to kill it and kill it all the time and be the best, he should be trying as hard as possible. I, I would suggest that he was trying as hard <laughs> as possible and maybe just didn't want to come off that way. No, I, I kind of like that. I, I'm with you, James. I kind of like that little bit, like, whatever, this isn't for me. Like, yeah, a little he, bit of, like, I don't know if you call it cockiness, but it's just, like, confidence that you could, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he knew what he wanted the sport to be and what downhill World mm-hmm. Cup track should look like. And if you take him to Leah Gang, he's pretty blasé about that. I think that's that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love how, you know, he, he was still competitive even when he left downhill. You know, he nearly won Worlds in Hafiel, and um, he won in Monson and I think, the year before he moved started moving over to enduro and now he's pretty dominant in uh, in that discipline as well so it's, it's great to see him um still thriving um i guess my other obvious choice um would be minar um like there's obviously there's five or more riders you could probably put in a, a bag and pick out one for the greatest ever but um i think i'd, I'd back minar probably um you know the 21 world cup wins is huge but the fact that he's done it um through pretty much every era of the sport is pretty cool you know he beat Julio back in 2001 for the overall um you know he was beating PT and Hill uh even when Gwyn was dominant in 2011 2012 Minar was the guy who was hanging with him and could beat him uh and even you know in 2019 at 37 38 I think he is um he's still getting podiums he got two second places last year and he's just a super classy guy his riding style's timeless I love watching him ride. I love how prepared you came for this, James. I know. He's like, I'm going to show you my guy is the best. <laughs> no refuting any of this. <laughs> well, Casimir and Brian were wrong. James, you're right. <laughs> I can't refute anything. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, wait, wait, uh, wait. I'm sorry that you just had to hear that Levy thinks that you're not worthy of being here. That's such a terrible thing to say, Levy. God. Wade, you're one Why step the... down from hero status, which is amazing. <laughs> I think Wade would like it that way. Yeah, he's not he's not he doesn't want carrying to babies out of burning buildings and rescuing dogs. <laughs> Anyways. He probably would, though. Yeah. He probably would, that's true. Yeah. Um, my next pick, um, pretty similar to yours, Levy, in a way. Um, I've put Alex Rankin down, but I'd probably put, you know, the whole Dirt team who kind of helped fire that imagination for me. Um, they kind of did content in their own way. You didn't even call it content then, but they did the magazine in their own way. Um, you know, Earths and Sprung and the 104 and Steve Jones on the bike tests. And um, again, like I got to work with those guys, Steve Jones and Mike Rose. And yeah, that was a huge privilege and learning experience for me. It was really great. Um, and then my last one, again, in Downhill Win Masters, um, just because I think uh, he kind of like exudes like pure love of downhill. Like when he was doing it as a privateer, like coming over from New Zealand, staying in Europe racing the whole year, that was really cool. But in recent years, he's done his privateer award. Um, he helped get Johannes von Klebelsberg on the team after being impressed with him as a privateer. He'd... I'm impressed with how you pronounce that name. Just rolled that <laughs> off the tongue. Um, <laughs> he prepared. Remember, he yeah, prepared. He, yeah, and he did the test session and things like that. Like, I feel like he's just a guy who loves downhill. Um, and I like the way he approaches um, media side of it as well. You know, I, th- I think it's fair to say he's, he's not the kind of guy who's in contention to win week in and week out, but like he brings a lot of value to himself as a rider with his like weekly Wednesdays and his win TV. And yeah, I don't know why more riders don't get involved in that, that kind of media side of it because um, yeah, win, win leaves them all in, in their dust. It's, yeah. Really, really cool guy. Um, and then I have one non down one and that's Leo Wilcox who I only first heard about last year, really when I watched her, her tour divide documentary, um, which I'd really recommend. I think it's called I Just Want to Ride My Bike, something like that. Um, but she's a, another of these ultra-endurance athletes. She um, won the Trans Am first woman to ever win that. She's got the women's record for the Tour Divide, um, and she's just a, 
really sort of stoic, hardy, uh, incredible athlete. So yeah, I'd definitely recommend watching that documentary if you've not watched it already. Yeah, she's tough. And the cool thing is a lot of times she'll just ride to these events like to get there. It's not like she just flies there. She just rides her bike like an extra thousand miles or whatever and like, oh, I'll race now. But yeah, she's done some really cool stuff. People, I, people who ride to the race are always the like... They're real winners. They've, they've yeah. won before they even start. <laughs> yeah, watch That's out so for them. Yeah. Those, those people that do those things like tour divide kind of stuff, like they're just normal dudes who ride their bike or women who ride their bike a lot and... They're not looking for anything except to do exactly that. I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. Especially in her case. Mm. Yeah. Was that enough positivity for you there, Levy? I feel like I'm pretty positive right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm inspired. You guys, (laughs) you guys are so uplifting. (laughs) That's a thing. You you guys are my heroes. Oh, Oh, gross. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's move on to comment gold. Uh, so this one, this is from user PB user binder clip, uh, and this was on that Bonstrajay integrated tool article. He says, "I could see why they didn't call it the Trek integrated tool system." Har har har. Uh-huh. Okay, next up we have uh, oh boy, Banana Oe. Banana Oe says. Sure, we could have done a 54 tooth large cog, but in the interest of common decency, we kept it to a very reasonable 11 to 46 tooth. Give the copywriter a cookie for this gem. Hmm. Is that just is that just poking fun at the the what seems like every time a new drivetrain comes out, you just have to add one? Is that the yeah? They're just trying to yeah, this is on the micro shift drivetrain. I mm-hmm. think they came mm-hmm. out with a, a nine ten speed now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep track of all of the speeds all and the numbers speeds. of gears, but yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously that's a little, that, that phrase was a cookie that he tossed out for the people that don't like the giant uh, cogs. So it worked but for banana wee. But doesn't, sorry, I should really know this, but doesn't Shimano have an 1146 in, in current XDR? speed? Yeah. Don't they do 1146 for all their Enduro races? But it's 12 speeds. This is 12, 10 speeds. Oh, so that's not cool. Couldn't possibly yeah. be cool with 12 speeds. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm holding out for 11:46 seven speed. Yeah, with a, with a spin you. on with a spin on. Uh, oh God, what's that called? Freewheel. Freewheel. Free yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't. I have a. I have an 11:50 on the Grim Donut. The e eight speed EMTB yeah, thing. E, yeah, EX1. Yeah, EX1. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, that is it for episode 15. We want to hear from you guys. Who do you guys look up to in the cycling world and why? Is it racers because they're going fast? Uh, is it people that have been around for a long time, contribute a lot to the sport? Anybody else? Let's hear it. Tell us in the comments. Stay tuned for next week. Next week.